you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast is the mic. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Thursday preview show. <laughs> feel like the podcast has already started. We just had a 10-minute conversation diving deep into what it means to even be a sports fan. Should adults be so emotionally invested? It was It was almost like you, Joe Buck should have been here to, narr- to moderate it. <laughs> no. We all have so much energy thanks to the gold standard coming through with high-octane contraptions from Jackson Market. Yes, Gold Standard filling in behind the glass again. How are you, Gold Standard? Doing just fine. How are you, gentlemen? uh, We're great. As you you may recall as a a listener of the show back when we were um, playing Go Get My Lunch, uh, making the wagers, Gold Standard's one wager was that Golden Tate would sign with the Tennessee Titans. (laughs) That was a wild uh, guess. Didn't work out. And as a man of his word, once he got back from his sabbatical, he purchased us us high octane sandwiches from Jackson Market in Culver City. I like also that it falls neatly into a day where TD goes a wall on the show, nowhere to be found. <laughs> Zach steps in capably to take over, and he's fed us lunch. It's beautiful. It's Machiavellian on some level, maybe by uh, Zach Goldman. But well, see, he should be a general manager. How much better would the Titans be with Golden Tate in the mix? That's what I'm talking about. Go. It wasn't prognostication. It was purely advice. <laughs> <laughs> Gold Standard wants the strap. He wants that chair back. He's making a hard push for it. You could feel it. And it's working. I'm just going to be honest. I mean, I've got a giant sandwich in my belly. It's great. Um, So this is our big Week 12 preview show. Uh, We're going to go through each of the games uh, in Week 12 as as we get closer and closer to Thanksgiving and the home stretch of the regular season. So the games are starting to get more and more important. Uh, But before we get into all those games, let's – Go to our recap of Thursday Night Football, uh, the Raiders and the Chiefs. Is this our A, B, or B team? A team, B team, C team? new A team. Ooh, the new A team, in the words of Chris Wessling, uh, Wes and Greg Rosenthal. Take it away, buddies. <laughs> yeah, you got the music. It deserves it because we got the best game of the year this Thursday. Best game of the year, Chris Wessling. The Raiders getting on the board for the 2014 season, or the best game of all time? Not the best game of all time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm Not the best game of the year either, but it was fun. Thrilled for Raiders fans and for Charles Woodson, who said after the game on NFL Network that he needed this game like he needed to breathe. Mm. Yeah, he he was flying around tonight, and he played great. The Raiders' defense played well for most of the game, built up a – 17-3 to lead. The Chiefs stormed back to take the lead 2017 with nine minutes left. And then, out of nowhere, the best drive of the Raiders' season, 17 plays, 80 yards, over seven minutes, and Derek Carr gets it done with a go-ahead touchdown with under two minutes to go. One of the biggest upsets of the year and, and a hugely costly loss uh, for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think the Raiders... It ends their losing streak, especially ends a 24-game losing streak for Antonio Smith and Matt Schaub. So good for them. But this is more about the Chiefs because they're the relevant team here. The Raiders are already mathematically eliminated. 
The Chiefs have to play the Broncos next week. Yeah. And they have to go to Arizona and play the Cardinals after that. I think we're going to stop anointing teams contenders because every time we do, <laughs> they just go out and lose. Well, they're 7 and 4 and that this is how the NFL goes. You know, they beat the Seahawks on Sunday, they lose to the Raiders on Thursday. It wouldn't stun me if they beat the Broncos next week, but this showed, you know, their offense, it's not explosive and they play with a small margin for error and so they got stuck in a situation where they couldn't move the ball very well. But then, you know, I, I wrote something on Twitter with five minutes left in the third quarter. This is a big 20 minutes in the Chiefs season. And right away, they go right down the field, score a touchdown, get the ball back, score a touchdown, get the ball back, get into the red zone. Don't give Jamal Charles the ball at all on the entire drive, but they do take the lead. So they, they responded on offense, and then they come up just short. Yeah, the, in the fourth quarter, that last drive, they didn't get Jamal Charles involved. In the two touchdown drives... They were built on Jamal Charles. Right. Still, I will remember this game for one thing. TD, behind the glass, our producer, you you know what I'm talking about here. You know what I'm talking about. At the end of the game, the most memorable moment (laughs) of Justin Tuck's Raiders career. It's I mean, first of all, the most valuable thing Justin Tuck will ever do in his Raiders career happened tonight, and that was take a timeout with about 35 seconds left to save the Raiders from the most embarrassing penalty that you'll ever see with C.O. Moore and Khalil Mack doing choreographed handshakes and for celebrations for at least 10 seconds. For 10 seconds. (laughs) 30 (laughs) yards downfield in the backfield. It was so great. So oblivious to the rest of the game. They look like the three little pigs waiting for the wolf to come in and put them down. They they must have thought they won the game or they just weren't thinking at all or they thought they won the Super Bowl. You really couldn't tell. Justin Tuck saved him from a penalty, but let's calm down on saying he saved the game. No, it would would have just been, what, fourth and seven or something like that. Fourth and seven with 40-something more yards to go and needing a touchdown. Right. It it still was just funny. I mean, even even in a win like this, the Raiders had a play on that last drive on fourth down where they had three penalties against them. I mean, there were twists and turns all over this game. That that Raiders drive that they picked up, there were so many moments. This game is going to haunt Chiefs fans for the rest of the year because there was a third and 12 where Ron Parker had a pass interference. There was a fourth down the Raiders had that Andy Reid didn't challenge the spot, which looked a little shaky. I mean, there were there were a million times where it seemed like if the Chiefs made one play, the game was over. And let's talk about the running games because this was the matchup going in that seemed to favor the Chiefs heavily. Latavius Murray outrushed Jamal Charles and mm. looked like for a minute the Raiders finally had an answer at running back. <laughs> yeah. He had more yards. He had the first running back in NFL history with over 100 yards and two touchdowns on less than six carries. Four carries. <laughs> and then he got concussed on a kickoff after that. Ugh. And Darren McFadden was so bad that the Raiders had to turn to Marcel Reese, their right. fullback. And and that was smart to do. He was the running back on, on their final drive and – uh, it just goes to show you never know what games are going to be good here. And we've had some stinkers in primetime. This Chiefs Raiders ended up being one of the best games of the year, really, at least in primetime. It was a lot of fun to watch. I'll be honest, though. I honestly didn't watch most of this game. Oh. Raiders and Chiefs. I spent most of it arguing with a co-worker and who's the <laughs> sexier team to watch, the Chiefs or Cardinals. I picked Cardinals. Oh, it's I think definitely, this game proved my point. It's definitely Cardinals. Such a meta evening for you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'm not watching this. I didn't turn it on to two minutes left. It's definitely the Cardinals. I like. I admire what the Chiefs have done this year, but they're not necessarily the fun Chiefs to watch. The Chiefs are a hard watch, even they if are. they're good. Yeah. Well, uh, with that in mind, let's, uh, let's send it back to the rest of the crew. Let's talk about Week 12's games. All right, so that was Thursday night. So now let's look ahead to Sunday and Monday. And we will start with, as we do every week, some games that jump out to us as the best games of the week. And in this case, we're going to start with the last game, Monday Night Football, the Baltimore Ravens at the Nolans Saints. A huge, huge game for the Saints who can't get out of their own way. Losers of two straight in their building. They're now four and six. Uh, the Ravens are 6-4 and four and in uh, definitely good playoff position, but they put themselves in a very vulnerable spot if they fall to 6-5. and five. So this is a huge game uh, for both teams. And in this situation, everyone at this table picked the Saints to hold court at home, get back on track, except for one man. Ooh. And he is wearing a cream-colored sweater yeah. zipped up to the neck area. 
He is Greg Rosenthal. What up, buddy? Well, when did we start? I thought last week we decided the Saints are, aren't that good anymore. They just got trounced by yeah. Andy Dalton at home. They're not that good. You deserve right. credit for this because we've been we were talking about it on Sunday that the the Saints <laughs> tricked us on some level. We kept on buying in, but the three of us, Mark, Chris, and I, all bought in again. But I guess I can't imagine them losing three in a row in prime time in their building. I feel like things aren't that crazy. We're not very intelligent. That could be another piece well, of the pie here. It's always not good to pick games going just on last week. So I'm, maybe I'm chasing it, but the Saints haven't convinced me that they're a particularly good team. Yes, they had that one game against Green Bay that, that kind of fooled us. But week after week, they're not that good on offense. And now the fact that their offense is having problems. I mean, back-to-back weeks, their offense let them down. They should have won the game against San Francisco. They got the ball back a couple times with the chance to win. Didn't do it. Last week, they scored 10 points. Now Brandon Cooks is out for the season. I've waited for this Ravens team to kind of step up and be a mini juggernaut. They haven't been as consistent as I like, but I think they have the talent to do it. Drew Brees is just above the Gabbert zone over the past month. He's averaging about six yards per attempt. They have no big plays on offense. And Mark Ingram was that guy, but I just don't think he's running with the same abandon since he injured his shoulder. He's churning out yards between the tackles, but they don't have any big play threats right now. Well, and also Baltimore, which a team I think that has flown under the radar, maybe because when you thought they would have caught, caught fire and really gotten into our attention, they tend to drop a game here and there. But Ingram is going up against one of the better run defenses in the league. Right. I I really like what Haloti Nada's done this year. Every year he just gets into the All-Pro or Pro Bowl game and he gets voted as All-Pro, even when he's having a bad game. But this is one of those years that if someday he does go into the Hall of Fame, I'll think, okay, it was worth it this year because he's been one of the best at his position. Um, Brandon Williams right next to him has been terrific all season. They have a pretty good defense even with Jimmy Smith hurt. Wes, I hold in my hand the 2014 Week 12 research notes. Uh, as you can see, very well put together by the team. I am an expert at pulling out things that are relevant to our discussion. And, we, you know, we're – right, Wes? You agree, right? Like a monkey with a hammer. All right. And we were talking about Drew Brees, and he's flirting with the Gabbard zone. But the defense is a major problem for the Saints. And here's a great num- uh, little nugget. Ro- Rob Ryan's defense has forced three and outs on only 12.5% of opponent's drives. That's the worst in the NFL. It's also – the worst in the NFL since 2005, the 2005 Bengals. You might remember that team. That's a great stat. And hold on, Dan. And wow. well. Christopher Robert but Wesley. Just this morning, though, you told me against this Saints defense this week, but in general you would take Andy Dalton if you were a general manager over Joe Flacco. So do you really trust Flacco to do anything against this New Orleans team? You well, said that? I don't think I said that, actually. <laughs> I didn't say that. Well, we, I, I posed it to you. And I said I would absolutely take Flacco over. over uh, do Andy I try? Yeah, of course. I th- I think Joe Flacco is a good player. I don't think he's a great player. Do I think he could pick apart a bad defense? Yes. Especially in New Orleans. Now we were all there. Well, I guess actually, Chris, you weren't there. No, but Mark, there. Dan, and I. We were there last mm-hmm. time he played a meaningful game in New Orleans, and I remember him ripping the Forty oh, Nine ers. I think meaningful is the right word. <laughs> Super the Shreds. Bowl. I mean, that was one of the best performances I've ever seen. All those, all that good memories, good vibes from that day. Maybe that helps him out. I'm not sure. <laughs> That's Wait, a stretch. Isn't that exactly <laughs> the kind of thing you would say yeah, has I usually no say meaning that. on a game? I, I just wanted to bring up it was a good memory. I think the first half of that game is one of the best performances I've ever seen in person by Flacco. So maybe, yeah, why not? You go back. Imagine, like, you, you go to the place where you met your wife or something. Well, or I think some it was, great thing it was a nice memory for the three of us, but without our flannel-shirted friend. I mean, there was a <laughs> Which void one? There. There's two of you right now. Well, it's two of, brothers. He, we are friends because of the shirts we wear. <laughs> that, it's the fashion choices that bring you together. <laughs> by the way, the Saints is bad as another loss would be, especially at home, they still wouldn't be out of the division by any stretch at 4-7. and seven. That just tells you how bad the NFC South is. But uh, the Ravens, they need this win. They would fall back into last place in the AFC North if they don't win. So this is a big, 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 big game for both teams. And uh, John Gruden, Mike Tirico, congrats, guys. <laughs> Got a good one. We'll see. All right, so let's move on to our second game we're really looking forward to. This one is a defending Super Bowl champion, the Seattle Seahawks, who are kind of a tough team to figure out right now. The Cardinals, they're a team that I feel like we have figured out. They are a very good football team. They're 9-1. and one. They lost Carson Palmer, of course, but Drew Stanton came on, and they got a nice win last week with Stanton. Now they go to Seattle. 
We talked about this a little bit on Wednesday's show about how Seattle, maybe the last uh, last link of uh, invincibility for them is at, in their building. Are they going to hold court at home against the Cardinals who are beating almost everyone this year? I mean, we just talked a bit about a game before where we're asking, why is no one picking Baltimore against New Orleans in New Orleans after what we've seen from the Saints? I think some of that applies here. I mean, I think we all pick Seattle. We took right? Seattle, yes. And, and for me, this is the breaking point game. If, they, if Seattle gets taken here by a team that we really should have a lot of faith in in Arizona at this point, I'm stop, I, I, pay, I pick Seattle almost every week. I'm going to stop doing that because they're just not a very good team at this point compared to where they were before. Plus, Arizona beat them in Seattle the last time they played, right? I mean, Carson that Palmer. That was a strange game, though, because what do you have, four interceptions? Carson Palmer's throwing picks, and all I mean is they were able to beat it with their style, and I do think it, it counts for something because you have the same coaches, much of the same players. Last year, they're going to need to win a similar type of game here. You would think it's going to be an ugly defensive game. Yeah, you would think so. I think the Cardinals have the best secondary in the NFL right now. Mm. They've taken that from the Legion of Boom, and the – Seahawks, when you watch the Chiefs game, the difference in the game, the reason the Seahawks lost is because Russell Wilson has no go-to receiver, especially in the red zone. They don't have a single receiver who can wall a defender off and make a play at the point of the catch. Don't you think part of that, though, is their system and Russell Wilson? Because we said they didn't have a go-to receiver or any great receivers when Golden Tate was on the team. He couldn't, he couldn't top 600 no, I yards. Don't think, I don't think Golden Tate is a guy in the red zone that you're going to. I mean, in the red zone, they, have, they don't have a tight end who can do that. They don't have a wide receiver. And it's not just that they can't leap. It's they don't have a wide enough body to wall off a defender, which you need in the red zone. They don't have anybody like that. Wes, you are the mailman, so I'm going to pose this question to you. I'm looking at the team leader stats for the Cardinals. Obviously, Carson Palmer is gone for the year, so you've got a backup quarterback. Their number one rusher, Andre Ellington, is averaging three and a half yards a carry, as is their backup. They have no receiver on pace for a 1,000-yard season. What makes the Cardinals this good? How are the Cardinals 9-1? Well, I think the two things that I, when I look at their offense, which you're specifically mentioning, I think they're a true team. Like the Cardinals, more than any team I can remember, Greg and I have talked about this. They remind us of the 2001 Patriots. They really care about each other. Larry Fitzgerald has given up his production, his production for the team. And the other thing is the difference in that game last week was that Jim Caldwell was ultra conservative to a fault and Matthew Stafford didn't take enough chances down the field. Stanton was taking two or three chances, deep balls, every quarter. One thing with Arians, because I can remember when he was even Cleveland's offensive coordinator when he was paired with Butch Davis, and no one really knew who Arians was. But the one defining mark of that, that's the last time Cleveland went to the playoffs with Tim Couch and Kelly Holcomb, all all people, was (laughs) that they would kill you three or four times a game with a shot downfield. I think Arians is the kind of wrist, I think players like that. We're going to take shots, and we're going to go for it. And, you know, Stanton has got, what, the lowest completion percentage in the league with anyone with 100-plus passes, but his, his yards per completion are massive me, because of that. That's the thing I'm still wary of with this team, though, that you take Palmer and you put in Stanton, and I don't know if you could still be that offense and if that's what made them dangerous. I know he's made some plays in the games he's gotten into. I'm yet to be convinced that he's that guy. This will be a great test in Seattle to see if Stanton can step up. It's a huge advantage for the Seahawks on the ground. I mean, the Seahawks looked vulnerable to the run last week, and yet Arizona hasn't been able to really consistently run on anyone, whereas you have Marshawn Lynch playing as well as he's ever played, which is crazy to talk about because, I mean, he a couple years ago was the number two running back in the league, maybe the top one with Adrian Peterson. But he ran – I mean, he is running with great abandon, and I think when you have the much better quarterback, you have the better running game, you're at home. You got to take him. You say that, but you know how well Dan Williams is playing, and Calais Campbell yeah. is outside of J.J. Watt. There's not a better defensive end in the league than JJ, than Calais Campbell. He got an MVP honorable mention from your MVP he column, did. I believe. I'm not ready to say they're not a playoff team. If they lose this game, the Seahawks are not a playoff team. All right, let's move on. So we all got the Seahawks there, but the Cardinals surely are going to put up a fight. Now we move on to Denver, the other Super Bowl team. Uh, from last year, they will be uh, at home against the Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins sitting at six and four, coming off that big Thursday night win over Buffalo last week at home, and now they face the Broncos. and And Greg, I'll, I'll start with you because are you seeing potentially some flaws in Peyton Manning's game that we should be a little nervous about? 
I see flaws around him, and he is a quarterback that needs his offensive line to protect him. There's no secret, and people are getting a lot of pressure on him. The Rams did a very similar setup to the Patriots where they sent blitzers up the middle. It got to Peyton Manning. Ryan Clady, his left tackle, is not having a good year. And he started letting go of the ball a little too early and had some bad throws, made some bad decisions. Too, it's just so rare to see Peyton Manning flustered more than just a random game when you see it twice in three weeks and then you see a really good defense coming into town this week that can be creative that can rush the passer I mean this sets up as a very very tough matchup for the Broncos one other thing for me too Ronnie Hillman I think in his last two games it's 13 and 16 yards total they don't have that element to their right. offense and that you know what I know they're not a run team but when you absolutely remove the threat of that Teams are going to be able to end the injuries last week, killed them too. I mean, they weren't able to be themselves. Jeff Fisher had a great game plan against Peyton Manning. Yeah. What you said was true. He's not adjusting well to the pressure right now. They blitzed him up the middle. But also, I think we find out that the Broncos don't have a special offense when you take away Julius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Monte Ball, <laughs> Ronnie Hill. Well, that's a lot of people. Who and Wes Welker is, you know, half as productive as he's been Les in Les Welker. Yes, thank you. <laughs> That's why Dan makes the big <laughs> bucks. 3.7 Now, you're right. You're right. I mean, Julius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, Julius Thomas is the biggest matchup problem on the team, maybe even more than Demarius Thomas. When when you took those two out of the mix, it just was still strange, though, to see Manning so flustered. and get. And sometimes he was getting rid of the ball even before the pressure was He looked there. like Tom Brady earlier in the year because, yeah. he, had no one, because he had Tom Brady's weapons. <laughs> well, what about – Broncos, they go out in the offseason to rebuild a defense that was incomplete last year. That defense versus Miami, I, I think that's not a bad matchup for Denver. I agree. I mean, there's, you know, you're getting a B-minus game out of Ryan Tannehill every week, and you're happy with that. You're getting 80, 90 yards out of Lamar Miller. Like, their offense is better, but going to Denver, a defense that we've talked about as one of the most talented in the league, you would think they would be able to shut Miami down. One of, one of the shadowy league figures is a big Broncos fan, came over to our <laughs> quadrant today and said he expects Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware to be in the Dolphins' backfield all game. And we all, fair. we very, you know, obediently, we all agreed. <laughs> uh, Wes, here's a nice stat from the, the research guide. In the Broncos, three losses this season, they have a total of four rushing first downs. So when that wow. running game goes Another away, brilliant it disappears. Stat by da- these are these are your two best stats of the year by the far. The final countdown. <laughs> Where's Job? <laughs> uh, all right, so we all picked the Broncos, though, so I, I guess we are, uh, as a group, confident they will get back on track. Maybe we're just not ready to buy in on the Dolphins in a big spot to win here. Well, they're playing. If it was in Miami, I would th- I would take the Dolphins. Really? It's a pretty big upset here to, hmm. to go on the road, beat Denver like this, but it wouldn't surprise me. You know, you got to just blitz those Mannings. They don't know what's going on. What about Cooper? A <laughs> clueless group. <laughs> <laughs> Fools they are. All right, that's that. All right, it's that time of the week every Thursday where we talk about – we already talked about one Defend Your Hero pick. It was Greg Rosenthal getting behind the New Orleans Saints opponent. Opponent, excuse me. <laughs> um, Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens, thank you. I'm recovered from my stroke. Uh, so you took <laughs> – you took the Ravens, but we got one more, and this is a segment we like to call. <laughs> Defend your hero. Gold standard getting back in the groove. Yeah, it's gonna take a little bit, you know. Slow, you know, slow reaction times, but spring that's gonna happen. I took a stroke seconds before that, so don't feel like you have to be perfect. Nobody is. This is our Defend a Hero segment where the uh, the person amongst us that went against the rest of us, not on purpose, but it just worked out that way, now tells us why they are right, why they chose the team that is the underdog within our group. And uh, in this case, it is the great Kevin Patra, who is a great man, and he's our Chicago correspondent. We don't have him on the line today, so I'm going to uh, throw it to... Chris Wessling, the mailman. Uh, Kevin Patrick believes that the St. Louis Rams, who are playing pretty well of late, uh, will head to San Diego and take down the struggling, the maligned team of around the NFL, the San Diego Chargers. <laughs> Wes, defend that hero. 
that's not really not that hard. The Chargers aren't playing well for the past month. Phillip Rivers isn't getting it done. The offensive line is a detriment. And you have the Rams, a team with Aaron Donald, defensive rookie of the year candidate. Robert Quinn's been playing great over the past month. T.J. McDonald has been one of the best safeties in the league over the past month. And when I watch Alec Ogletree at linebacker, this guy looks like a future Thomas Davis with playmaking ability, coverage, and closing speed. They have so many weapons on that defense right now, as Greg astutely pointed out a week ago. And why, why didn't I take them? I almost did. I had them. You know, you have to pick. You have to go right or left, helmet to helmet. I had it sitting on Rams helmet. Me too. Moved it over it to Chargers. I, I switched it back like eight hours later. That was stupid, maybe. I think Patra is running some sort of voodoo on us from his Chicago basement. No, well, I think it's this group does not believe in the team of ATL, and this is our chance to get back on the ship and get throw our support behind them, and that's why I took them. I never hesitated. Charges on the way. Go that, Bolts. That really was why I took them. It was more an act of faith because if you just look at who's been playing better over the last month, there is no question it's the Rams. But I do still believe in this team that we chose. I was behind it to begin with to make this the team of ATL. I, I feel like Phillip Rivers is going to get it going. They are healthier on defense. They had a good defensive game last week. I mean, they're not exactly playing, you know, the uh, 2007 Patriots here on offense. Shut them down, Chargers defense. Well, that's the, the, the Rams offense is a, is a mixed bag from week to week. But, you know, Phillip Rivers on the injury report for the first time like in what, a decade? that bag in the airplane is what it is. It is exactly like that. What are, what are we talking about, the Rams offense again? <laughs> the vomit bag on an aircraft. What was the 2007 Patriots? Are they the AFC East Division champions that year? I can't remember what they, what they were famous for. <laughs> uh, for losing in the desert, like uh, apparently they're going to this year in the Super Bowl. They're uh, a good offense, though. They were pretty good. They were pretty awesome, actually. Other thoughts about the game, gentlemen? I think that Patrick's right. I picked the wrong team here, oh, and I'm oh, starting you know to – No, no. I think that he – we Goodness. defended it strongly enough where I want to change my opinion. <laughs> you can't, though. <laughs> I know, and that's why you know like the entire Perry weekend Mason. is a wash. <laughs> You know, when it comes to these picks, Mark, you're never too in on any of your picks, it seems. It's really revealing of your general attitude towards life, I feel like, sometimes. What? Not, calling not you... in on my general life? He's calling <laughs> you Spicoli. That is, again, erroneous from Greg. Just an <laughs> assumption, that a generality that is miles away from accurate. You're not very strong-willed in the pick segment. I don't even remember who I picked half the time, but I'm sitting only three games behind you, and I'm coming for you, Hansis. Wow, I like it. I, li- I don't there believe it, it, but I like it. All right, we move on. Speaking of Mark Sessler, the Cleveland Browns coming off what was not a very good game, a loss to the Texans in their own building, now travel to Atlanta, the Georgia Dome, to face the Falcons. A big game for both teams, uh, wildly enough. The Browns obviously are right in the middle of that packed AFC North, and the Falcons, believe it or not, are tied for first place in the NFC South at uh, four and six. So two teams that I don't know if, uh, if we have a real great handle on, but Mark, I saw that you did pick I, again. We don't know when you make your picks, how much you're in on them, but you picked the Browns to win this game. Why do you think that they'll bounce back on the road? They are going to drop a hammer on Atlanta. There we go. That's hammer! what I'm talking about. I, I normally feel very suspicious about Cleveland from week to week. They are going to decimate the Falcons by 20 plus points. Why? We want me to point to one specific thing. Josh Gordon's back. I think that helps. They haven't had a weapon like that all year long. They haven't had Jordan Cameron all year long. Atlanta's pass defense is treacherous. Is Jordan Cameron playing? No, probably not. I don't think he is. But they're accustomed to not having him almost the entire year. I like this turnaround because you were very down earlier in the week. Jabal Sheard was maybe out for the year. Now it's probably just one game. Carlos Dansby out for a month, and you thought that maybe the playoff hopes were over. But hardly, if they're going to drop a bomb on the road, they're alive and well. Cleveland's defense is probably going to give up five, six, seven more points per game than they were last, you know, from from the start of the year. They are injury riddled. And I know someone else in this room picked the Falcons, and I would imagine they did for that. <laughs> that would be among the reasons why. That was your why. power pick, Duracell. Our Duracell power pick. And by the way, Duracell, you want something that lasts a long time. You pop one of those Duracell batteries in and uh, good night, nurse. You oh, it's a, a great product. It's not I just, mean, oh, hello, I, nurse. Well, it's hello, not just, nurse. oh, you know, an electronic in my, a product in my house broke, and I need to just put a battery in. It's like, no, no, no. no the battery. I need a Duracell need battery. Anyway, so we every week or <laughs> for the next couple of weeks, we're going to, we have been picking the game that we're most confident about 
as, as we see. I like that Duracell is not even aware that they're sponsoring <laughs> this podcast. Mark was so confident, as we're hearing, that he said the Browns are his lock of the week. Duracell, ding, 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 lock of the week. Chris Wessling, and this is a first in our picks, his Duracell lock of the week was the Falcons over the Browns. Troll, troll, troll your boat, Wes. Why do you say that? I'm looking over my game rewind notes, and almost all of my notes on the Falcons are negative. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was. That's but my then point. They're all negative on the Browns too. So it's so the two negatives team. make a positive for the West. Bra- the Falcons are one of the best home teams in the NFL since Matt Ryan entered the league. That's all you got. <laughs> that's it. Huh? I mean, that yeah, I. Do you want me I to check watched, out my research guide? Right, the Browns' defense has lost Phil Taylor. Yeah. Carlos Dansby, Jabal Sheard. That's three of their top five or six defensive players. And teams have been running all over. I mean, Alfred Blue and Jonathan Grimes ran for 200 yeah. yards. I just don't know what Atlanta on the grounds get. That's not really who they are anyways. That's but true, but who are secondary. Alfred Blue and Jonathan Grimes? Well, no. the Browns with those three defenders gone are probably only as bad as the Panthers. And I watched Falcons-Panthers this morning, actually, thinking, eh, maybe I'll switch my pick over. You know, we're split on this game anyways if the Falcons look good. And that was not an impressive result. You, you felt like the Falcons had chances to move the ball. They did not really consistently move the ball at all. They weren't going to be ahead if not for picking off Cam Newton a couple times You know, in the right position. They don't look like the Falcons' offense that you expect. And the defense, to me, is terrible. They just happened to go up against uh, an offense that's even one worse ex- last week. One exception. I wouldn't count on Josh Gordon going off in this game. Trufant. I agree Trufant with that. is playing like a pro bowler. Okay. I agree with you on Gordon. And also, I think if, this, if they are going to – they've talked for weeks about we're going to phase him in, which I don't think they're going to buy that if they find that he's on fire. But I don't think he's going to get every snap he could in this and game. And as you've pointed out several times um, in other places – North Turner's not running this offense. No, he's not. My point, though, is Roddy White's not quite Roddy White anymore. He's I fine. I agree with that. He's fine. Uh, their offensive line is tattered to the point that they coach around that. They're, that they're aiming for a very low ceiling, and they have no running game. And when I put all that together in the kind of mojo that uh, Mark's Browns team has had, and I thought, you know, Atlanta hasn't even won any games out of the division here on their little streak. They just beat these other lousy teams in the NFC South. That's why you go with the Browns. By the way, we mentioned uh, Trufant's playing very well this year, but he is a bit of a outlier for that secondary. The Falcons have allowed seven 100-yard receiving performances this season, second most in the NFL. One last mm, quick thing. That one's this, this, although that can be misleading. Calvin Benjamin had more than 100 yards last you week, could be but misleading. he didn't really have that Did good. Did you ever think of that? <laughs> <laughs> the research guy, don't lie. This game, in, in our power picks thing, the sponsorship is shifting, and it's over after this week, the power picks. I think a couple weeks. Oh, yeah. well, then that then what I'm about to say makes no sense. But I'm one game up on Wes, and if, if the Falcons win, <laughs> this, this segment ends with us tied forever. Ooh, but I if like the it. Browns drop a bomb on your Atlanta Falcons <laughs> in your little dome, Chris Wessling, <laughs> and I, I win whoa. the celebratory battery. And you guys have given me heat for getting too excited about the hero pick standings. D- Duracell <laughs> power pick standings? All right, Why I agree. It means more about hero picks and power picks. One of them is sponsored. Oh wow! You right. are a corporate. Yeah, get get behind goon. this this gray <laughs> vanilla Atlanta Falcons team playing indoors. This is your this. If Chris had been deciding, this would be the team of ATL, the Falcons. All right, they I are just the wanna, team of ATL. They're from Atlanta. I just <laughs> want to really quickly drop this in because I think oh. we've, we've collectively earned. <laughs> <laughs> I think Gold we just you. we earned a lot Gold of that. Gold getting his sea legs back. <laughs> trying, trying my best. All right, moving forward, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, they head to Chicago to face the Bears. The Bears finally got back on track with a de- decent performance and a win in Week 11. And the Bucks, Bucks could be a little frisky down the stretch. At least that's how I feel. Uh, McCown played really lo- well last week. Mike Evans, I think, emerged as the front runner uh, for, as Offensive Rookie of the Year. I found um, I found it interesting that he went over 100 yards three straight weeks with at least a touchdown. Nobody's done that since Randy Moss, so he's playing very well. Um, Greg, I ask you, are you a little bit uh, in on the Bucks to uh, finish strong this year, or do you think they stink? Somewhere in between. I think they'll win a couple games down the stretch. I think they're better than – I don't think they're the worst team in the league anymore. Uh, Chris called them that early in the season. He thinks they've gotten better. I agree with that. I thought about taking them this week, but Chicago's coming off an impressive performance, and 
overall, the Bucks defense still pretty lousy, and I'm not really buying into Charles Sims era at all. I'm not buying into the Bears coming off an impressive performance. Yeah. Jay Cutler made four throws last week, basically. Three touchdowns and one big play down deep inside the red zone. All four came by throwing it up for grabs against Josh Robinson, an undersized cornerback. And I'm just watching that game thinking Russell Wilson would kill for these wide receivers. If you're a you just fan, throw the ball up for grabs. If you're a fan of the Bucks or you're a fan of the Bears, who has the right to be more deeply depressed? The Bears. I think the Bears because mm. they have that group for a while. I don't think – I mean, I, I think Tressman will wind up staying, but you have Cutler in place. They, that offensive nucleus is sort of what it is. The, the Bears are stuck with Cutler, and the Bucks aren't. That's the difference to me. The <laughs> Bucks have good young talent. Not a ton of it, but they have Mike Evans, Gerald McCoy, Levante David. Three superstars. I mean, that's that right there is better than what the that's Bears have. more than most teams have for building blocks. Gerald McCoy said yesterday that Mike Evans has no idea how special he is. So, I mean, th- there's some definite building blocks there. By the way, we all picked the Bears in this game. I am, I might be switching my pick here. I, I'm not sure about this. This feels strong to go all Bears. I feel like we're asking for another zero The Bears pick. have killed me all season. I'm We're begging for a zero is pick there. Switch it over. As great as Mike. McCown and Evans looked last week, Greg made a good point in the newsroom this week. Uh, they didn't really move the chains or sustain. They had three points off. in the first half. I mean, offensively, the defense scored 10-4. Right. The, the offensive line is still a major issue. There's no running game to speak of. It's just a few big plays to Mike Evans. I could be wrong, but Charles, Slim, Charles Sims looks like he's running in slow motion. He looks I mean, thoroughly mediocre. He cannot make a cut. He's definitely not a guy that's going to make you miss, but they have him running to the outside. It reminds me of Toby Gerhardt in Jackson. They were so high in him, but it's, they haven't been able to really run the ball all year for the most part. All right, moving on. This is our first game of the week that we're really split on two and three. The Cincinnati Bengals coming off that really nice win in the Superdome now travel to Houston to face the Texans. The Texans hanging around in the playoff race at five and five. Um, and now they get the Bengals, who got a better performance from Dalton against the Saints. So it's still hard to say what he's going to give you on a week to week basis. As I said, we're split here. With I took the Bengals, as did Sessler. The rest of the group took the Texans. Wes, why did you go with the Texans, a team that you have not been uh, too in on all season? Uh, they're playing against the Bengals. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen Andy Dalton against J.J. Watt before. Turn down for what? Oh. Oh, no. Mm. TD Look, leaves, but that drop remains. <laughs> I love that one. I'm it's on hard that. to evaluate Ryan Mallett because Bill O'Brien – Basically put training wheels on him last week. Ran the ball 50 times. Mallett had basically one read on every throw, and he got the ball out. When he got the ball out in a second and a half, he was money. When he get, when he held the ball for more than two seconds, he was useless. He had a lot of play action. It actually looked like a Kyle Shanahan game plan. It, yeah, but they're not going to be able to run the ball the way they did last week with, with this, as much force. I mean, they ran right through Cleveland. And they there was a lot of no huddle going on as well. And Cleveland's defense was exhausted by the third quarter. I mean, you could see it. They just the game was over. I don't think it's going to be quite as easy to do that on Cincy's defense. They took a couple shots with Mallet early, but they mostly missed him. They hit on one one big play to DeAndre Hopkins. He Other, got picked off on one. Right, and the, and then they kind of just went with that short passing game because it was working. Why, if you can run it 54 times and you know pile up, whoa, what did they have last week? 29 first downs. That's a huge total. I mean, you might as well keep doing it. Yeah. Andre Johnson has less receiving touchdowns than J.J. Watt this season. He checked out about a month ago. Oh, stop. <laughs> checked out. That's a, that's a Hall of Fame player. You're impugning his pride I'm not right talking there. about his entire career. He but certainly does. He's not happy. We know that. For, he hasn't been happy since July. Well, I he think should be now, though, with Mallet. I, I mean, think he's happy that Mallet's in. They're, they're yeah, he's five doing, and five. He's doing just backflips in a, in a corner. <laughs> well, they're exponentially somewhere. less dull with Mallet in there. I the mean, best quarterback of his career is Matt Schaub. Uh, Matt Schaub, who's on a 24-game losing streak, is that? Is well, that, he has not engineered it, but he's this like ugly, sort of stuff, ominous man. figure in the distance. Andy Dalton coming off his best game of the year. Jeremy Hill of his career, has earned more to carries, rating. according to Hugh Jackson. This, this is an interesting. This game. feels like a Saturday. To, you know, they should just reschedule this game. Put it on NBC at 3.30 on Saturday just out for old time's sake. And watch, <laughs> you know what I mean? And watch Dalton throw it right into the arms of J.J. Watt. It could happen. It's all in play. We'll see what happens. Moving forward, the Jacksonville 
Jaguars, uh, who are sitting at one and nine. I feel like they've been one and nine through ten games for about twenty straight seasons now. Are they still in the league? Three straight <laughs> is true. They are now. Has it been three? It's three God. straight. They're the first team ever. How about some progress, guys? To have three straight seasons where uh, they started one or nine or worse. You know, we give uh, the Tennessee two tunes. Uh, <laughs> we I don't know who they are, but we give them a lot of grief for being invisible. How about we do something? Uh, they're jacks. Anyway, the <laughs> Jaguars move on to a, another uh, execution, this time at Lucas Oil Stadium against the Indias, Indianapolis Colts. The Colts who, uh, you know what, I'm out on the Colts, by the way, after that performance on Sunday night. I cannot get excited on them as anything other than the AFC South champions. I'm going to write that down. Write it there's, down, there's please. There's no going back. Book it. Book it. I feel like you're an emotional guy. Book it, uh, Grego, uh, because <laughs> they are just not at the same level, even close to the Patriots or, or the Broncos, so forget that. But they'll take care of business against a crappy Jaguars team. They beat up on bad teams. That's what they do. And they, there's, there's, Jaguars so the, have, what, a 1% chance of winning this game? <laughs> that sounds about right. And by the way, beyond just me being a little annoyed by the Colts playing so poorly at home in primetime on Sunday, they also lost to Mott Bradshaw for the season, and they didn't get involved with uh, or they didn't successfully obtain LeGarrette Blunt or uh, Ben Tate. So it's a situation where Trent Richardson's their guy. Yeah, and Trent Richardson last week I went seven carries, zero yards, and people were calling it promising. I would not be <laughs> so sure of that. You think they're going to... I would not be surprised to see more Boom Heron than Trent Richardson the rest of the way. Ooh. I yeah. mean, that would be smart. You've got to give somebody enough of this charade. I mean, Well, they tried to they put a waiver out on, on Ben Tate and didn't get him. Yeah. The Jaguars did rally at the end of last season. And I think Gus Bradley will be safe. But you do. Wa- I'm starting to wonder whether he needs to show a little something here down the stretch. Well, I, you know it, what I mean? Certainly fair. Over the summer, and I, I will say that I was one of the people in this room that fell hook, line, and sinker for the idea of progress mm. in Jacksonville. Crazy not just love. in wins. I thought they would be a 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight type team. And, Making the leap. But you know the thing is, every year there's four or five teams that get a new coach and take a bad roster to a 10-win, 11-win type season. It's not it, What's not happening here? I don't know what it is, but but the the honeymoon period has ended. If and, it didn't end a year ago. And let's face it, we we were really excited as a group about Blake Bortles, and that hasn't quite uh, worked out to this point. I know he's not in a great situation, but he you want you want these last uh, six games, you want him to really show you something so they have something to be excited about. The Jaguars are your lady in a red dress, your femme fatale. His game against <laughs> the well, Cowboys. Well, not anymore. They are. <laughs> They've already broken your heart. My heart is Skipped broken. Skipped out of town with some fluky. My heart is broken. <laughs> flunky? Or flunky. Was that a fluky? floozy, flunky? F- well, fluky also <laughs> applies. All of the above. That's a really bad thing. Uh, all right. That's enough of that game. Moving on, the Green Bay Packers. The best team in the NFL, the Green Bay Packers, head to Minnesota to face the Viking. What, Greg? Best team in the NFL. I don't know. There's only one team that has trounced uh, three other division leaders by a combined 70 points. Let me guess, you root for that team. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> the Packers, one of the just the middle of the pack team in the NFL, head to Minnesota <laughs> to face the Vikings. The Packers sitting at 7-3, tied atop the NFC North with the Lions. The Vikings, respectable 4-6, and six, considering uh, they're breaking in a rookie quarterback and have no Adrian Peterson. They, they obtained Ben Tate. This week, so he's going to be, I guess, potentially in the attack on some level. Maybe not this week, but as we move forward, um, the Packers are unstoppable at Lambeau Field. It seems. Will the Vikings be able to put up a fight in their building, well, outdoor th- building? Mark. Well, this is the matchup everyone's been waiting for—the rematch after that scintillating the <laughs> Thursday night affair that oh, they gave us God, a few months brutal. back. Well, that game, and this—I'm <laughs> not calling this a, a major <laughs> X factor, but that Teddy Bridgewater was not in that game. That was Christian Ponder, I believe. Ponderous, man. Well, when when I mentioned that the Bears had a convincing win last week, I wasn't talking just about the offense. I was talking about the fact that the Vikings could only muster 10 first downs and 240 yards against the Bears, and that had a decent amount of yards in garbage time. I mean, they, they were around 125 yards deep into the second half there. It's pretty discouraging coming off a of bye week and all that, that Teddy Bridgewater and that offense hasn't gotten a little better. Can I offer you guys a little bit of buzz on Packers v. Greg Jennings 4? Ooh. All right. Ow! 
Are we still doing that? Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. That's, do you think Greg Jennings is still talking trash about the Packers, but now just no one pays attention? He, uh, Hopefully. He, he was quite outspoken. I think he thought maybe he was a bigger piece of that puzzle in Green Bay. He thought he could still play. And uh, it has not worked out. So we uh, we all have – and keep an eye again on that uh, great tandem, Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, who are, uh, have about 115 combined catches for – 1,700 yards and 19 touchdowns. There's some crazy stuff going on. And Eddie Lacy is really starting to warm up now uh, up to 4.2 yards of carry and five. This is a great This game will be 31 nothing, and it will not oh. be 31 nothing well, in favor of Minnesota. Well, Gold Standard is a, a Packers fan here. I mean, are, what, are you, what are you thinking about this team right now? You're getting Ooh. excited. I, I sort of try and stay even keel until they collapse at home in the playoffs to like, oh. they, you know, <laughs> if what do you think about Greg Jennings at this point? I mean, mm. uh, anger. I'm, I'm a bigger fan of Madden Greg Jennings than mm. real life Greg Jennings. But well, I like don't that. let this Greg Jennings narrative steer you off course from what's really going on here. The Charles Johnson revenge game. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Originally drafted by the Packers. Wow. Keep an eye on that, everybody. But gold standard. What would you rather watch? Your beloved Packers or that British show Big Brother, if a bunch of the former cast members played soccer in an alley oh, and God. it was televised, what would you watch? I think I'm going to have to lean towards Packers, but it's really close, not going to lie. I just want to see how far soccer goes for just a gold sprinkle stadium. in some soccer anywhere you can. All right, moving on. We all got the Packers there, obviously. Greg's boys, the Patriots, who are uh, – Really an unstoppable juggernaut right now. Now eight and two. That is how many in a row now? Six? Six. Six straight wins. This is going to be a challenge, though, because the Detroit Lions are coming to town. The seven and three Lions obviously have some really nice players. Uh, the Patriots are, are playing at such a high level, that, though. I, I, I find it hard to imagine them getting beat, especially in their own building at this stage. They're in one of those classic Patriots regular season roles where it just it, it seems to come easy to them. Greg, you have to be feeling confident about this game. I do, because I think that they have different ways that you can beat Detroit's defense. I don't think this is an un- – it's the best defense in the league on paper, and overall I would agree with it, but I, I think they can just spread them out, dink and dunk. They're not going to try to run the ball. Everyone that you know got 200 yards out of Jonas Gray last week, he'll probably wind up with like 30, and they'll give LeGarrette Blunt, who they now signed, You know, they'll probably give him some carries too just to – you know, mess with the fantasy owners. It's really Detroit's defense that I really don't trust at all at this point. Like, I, I think the Patriots could lose to any team that can be explosive, and I don't think the Lions are that team anymore. Do you mean their offense? Their offense, yeah. I mean, I'm saying I just don't think the Lions are an above-average offense. Do well, we... they're not but I think Detroit's offense has to be, if you want to pick top five most disappointing, mm. you know, offensive-defensive units from what we thought they would be. And what they looked like on paper before the season, and Detroit's offense has been a disaster. And what went wrong? Because you still have Stafford who's I don't been think healthy. they can run the ball to start with. We haven't gotten – yeah, the running game is an issue. Uh, I think one thing to keep an eye on is Megatron and Tate have not really been on the field healthy together too much. I could see that doing wonders if they're able to both get on the same page and get going. But without a running game, it's going to limit them. I think and, they thought Eric Ebron would have been a factor at least by midseason, and he hasn't been. And they just played – my opinion, the best secondary in the league in one of the hardest places to play last week. So yeah, they, played Miami the week bef- they played Miami the week before and that, And the too. Patriots have a great secondary, so this is going to be another I'm, test. I sort of adopted the Lions early this summer. The thrill is gone. Really? Yeah, I'm, I can't take Jim Caldwell. He has no balls. Mm. Mm. I can't. I'm Stafford's the guy I, I wrote uh, for a piece today. He's the most frustrating quarterback in the league for me to watch. He gets a pass for whatever reason compared to some of the other quarterbacks, but he's he's just Jay Cutler a couple of years younger. It's not like it's not like Jay Cutler is a worse quarterback than Matthew Stafford. Everyone's waiting for that potential or whatever. Matthew Stafford to me is like a slow Colin Kaepernick, basically. He'll yeah. have four or five good plays a game. I think to me he is Jay Cutler, but with a flair for the dramatic. So he's made enough big plays near the end of the games, big drives, signature plays that are captured on NFL films that kind of make you get sucked in a little bit more. Uh, maybe that Cutler doesn't have that type of stuff, but you're right. The, the inconsistencies as a Lions fan and Kevin Patcher, we've talked about it so many times on the podcast with him. Uh, he just drives people crazy there. I just look at a Patriots team where this wasn't the case before. You have got to win a shootout and you've got to outscore the Patriots and score 40 something points. The Denver Broncos could not do that. 
and Andrew Luck and the Colts could not do that with that offense, the Detroit Lions will not do that. Especially I don't like a, all this confidence now that so I'm much listening confidence. to it. Well, a little train. much. It's a little much. Uh, barely yeah. anyone picked them against Denver. We were split against the Colts. I don't like all this. This is usually when things go bad. Well, well it's time for the listener to nail us with some <laughs> verbal comments that we got wrong if we do. Caldwell has to stop coaching not to lose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's where you chime in, huh? That one was way worse than the balls line, Wes. <laughs> you stepped over yeah. the line on that you one. You should have went out. You should have went out on top. All right, moving on. We all took the Patriots, obviously. The Tennessee, I don't, I don't uh, even know how to pronounce this. It was an outfit once known as the Houston Oilers. They moved ah. to Nashville, and they are the how, Tennessee Titans. How dare you, Dan? Yes. While you were in at work on Monday night it was mocking the Tennessee Titans and their fan Who? base, they were providing us with quite possibly the best primetime game of the year. What? Which really says a, a lot. It was, it was a good game. It was a good a game. I know we haven't had a lot of good ones. That was a good uh, one. It yes. was fun. It was back and Zach forth. Zach Mettenberger made, made some plays against the Steelers, put them in position to win. They weren't able to close it out. So, you know, close out a game, especially in your building before we're going to know who you are. But at the same time, they there is some progress, and they're at least a little more exciting to watch uh, as opposed to Clipboard Jesus or a Jake Locker. So he, he earned, uh, Mettenberger earned the tryout, but this is not going to go well against the Eagles, uh, I don't think. But then again. An Eagles team that just gave up, what, 56 yeah. points or 53 well, I'm, points? I'm definitely not going to get in on a Titans team winning on the road uh, with Zach Mettenberger, but I'll be very interested to see Sanchez part three. He played great. <laughs> Played great uh, one week, was not so hot the next week. So let's see where Sanchez comes down in this. And then the one other thing I want to throw out to you guys, LaShawn McCoy came out and said this week that there is no difference between the LaShawn McCoy of 2014 and the 2013 McCoy who won the rushing title. Uh, you guys have been watching the tape. You're football heads. Is, is he right? Is it just a bad kind of some bad luck and things have not worked out for him? Well, I think – I think I've heard Mark make this point that with rushing attacks, last year really means nothing. You, it, it's it's all so symbiotic. It's based on how the offensive line's playing, how the quarterback's playing, and it all has to get in the same rhythm. You have to have the running back looking for the right hole, and he's had so many different adjustments on the offensive line this year, they've never been able to get into it. So rhythm. is he still moving like the same guy? I think same he's guy. the same guy. I yeah. think it is much more that – there have been so many switches up front. I mean, they had no injuries last season, that Eagles team, to the point where everyone's like, oh, you know, Chip Kelly, he's cracked the code on sports science, and the <laughs> Eagles have figured out how to go through an NFL season without anyone getting hurt. Well, this year they've had more injuries than tons of teams. I right. mean, it's completely the opposite. And even when they get Jason Kelsey back, people are like, okay, now everything's fine. Well, he hasn't played very well because that happens sometimes when you're coming off a serious injury and you're rushing back on the field. I mean, if you watch them against Green Bay, he was a big part of the problem. I think that's what McCoy is saying is you guys don't get it. It's not me. It's not that I'm a completely different player or I'm not as fast or whatever. It's like He is, but... Not in the system on, right now. On the subject of Mettenberger, Greg, there's some NFL media beef Ooh, slash heat. I love that. Coming from uh, one of the great NFL Now uh, contributors we work with, host Mark Iztook, who read something that you wrote this week where you said that uh, Mettenberger's first game against Houston was one of the worst of the season in your mind. He he had a, he took issue with that. He said he went back and watched the tape and disagreed and said that maybe you should have been get, a little more fair to Mettenberger it's, in his first it's start. Took, what? Istook couldn't be more wrong here. Okay, he's let's crazy. see why. He's crazy. He Greg's must right. He, maybe he's thinking of the second game. He, the the first game he was an absolute disaster. That's what Chris came down really hard on him to in the podcast, and I couldn't disagree. But the last two games have been better each time. For the record, Istook a great guy. Okay. I enjoy hey, my nice. NFL now appearances with you. Look, Mark, you know, you can <laughs> – if you're going to come at us, come with something a little stronger this than that. This is a direct quote from Mystic. Just watched all his passes from that Houston game. Not great by any stretch, but not terrible. Overthrew a bunch of guys, but also saw him make some decent progression reads. Hit his check down a lot. for some balls in coverage, but – Well, let balance. me ask you – You always want your guy to be able to hit his check down but Chris, in so, Tennessee. Well, Monday night, were you at least – impressed with him compared I to was. your earlier comments. I thought he gave I that thought he, offense some life. Well, he did have the pick six. It was no, no, bad, it but, was not. It was but raw, the rest but. of the game, he was great. My one takeaway from this game, my biggest memory, is Mike Tirico 
going absolutely wild about a running back who rushed for 38 yards at 3.5 <laughs> yards per carry. <laughs> thought oh Bishop Sankey was Eric Dickerson. If, He's like, if I love Dick- how this guy moves yeah, as like, he gets what? dragged he down in the backfield. run was nine yards. I'm like, what is this Tariqa guy? What is he talking Sankey about? overall has not been impressive. I think that, that, that maybe that one drive where they went down the field – and answer Pittsburgh's he did touchdown. Have one good drive, that yeah. was it, but then there wasn't much else. Their defense under Ray Horton has gotten a hint of getting a little more dangerous lately. It's That's exactly like say. Ray They're Horton's nice. defense in Cleveland last year, though. They were pretty Crazy. good against Baltimore the week before. They really had it was that game was seven seven in the fourth well, quarter. Well, they'll pass and rush, it up. they'll disguise, and they get heat on the quarterback. But then they give up thirty eight points and five hundred yards. Yeah. Next up, the Washington Redskins. Head to San Francisco to face the 49ers. This does not feel like a good spot for Robert Griffin III after a week of controversy. Uh, now heads to Levi's Stadium. And I know the Niners haven't been that great there this year, but it seems to me a Niners team that's you imagine is going to get right and make a nice run towards 10 or 11 wins uh, now gets to face a Redskins team that, you know, is a very bad team. Just got beat handily by the Bucks in their own building and now get to face the Niners. Uh Wes, you, you, as I am, both we're off the RG3 bandwagon. How grim and how ugly can it get for the quarterback in San Francisco? I have no confidence in him anymore. Greg had a really good quarterback index today, and he saw the exact same thing I saw from RG3. There's no structure to the passing game whatsoever. It's all checkdowns, screens, and the most off-target hot routes hot route throws I've ever seen. When the blitz comes and you have to dump it immediately, he wasn't even coming close. He takes forever to make a decision. He's not reading the field. He's too reckless with his body still. And his his footwork fundamentals are off, off to the point, as Greg pointed out, he's hopping while he throws now. And he has no feel for it. It's hard to describe, but, like, Alex Smith is a guy that has a great feel when there's pressure around him. Russell Wilson is a great comparison for RG3. Like, he knows when to run. He knows where the pressure is coming from. RG3 will hold it forever and just stick in the pocket when he shouldn't, and he'll run out to the side immediately when his first guy isn't covered other times. It's like there's no rhyme or reason. There's something real sad to watching the way he moves around in the pocket and try to escape the rush. It's like he has two left feet now. He he's never seems to be balanced. Like you were saying, he's always throwing off the wrong foot or just seems to be hopping. There's just this a, a weird mechanic situation. And I, do, I won't proclaim to know how the, the internal structure of being a quarterback works. But well, it you seems, know it. Well, I do. You've but been I'm there. Trying to I be mean, cool you've been there. I am a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> but I will say that for, as bad as these mechanics are, it's either on the coaching – or it's on the player that isn't putting in the time because it seems like the guy is, has no fundamental sound uh, aspect to his game anymore. I think it's also, if you're RG3, if you have any ability to read between the lines, because we've all seen this. Which I don't know if he does. He's very, that's I don't think that's he possibly true, except that it's so clear dating back to September and October that Gruden does not see him as the quarterback of the future for his offense. Well, he doesn't even have to read between the lines. But where's your confidence? To, he just has to hear Gruden's words yeah. from this yeah. week, right? But if you're a young quarterback, I mean, and, and you don't have the support of your coaches yep. or your locker room, then you're, uh, everything else can start to waterfall from there. And, and this week he's got such a tough matchup. I mean, this 49ers defense has quietly turned into one of the best defenses in the league. I mean, I, the offense has a lot of problems. But they've suddenly added Alden Smith, who looked great in his first week back, who's one of the best defensive players in the league. They've essentially added Chris Borland, who would be my pick for Defensive Rookie of the Year and is one of the best at his position in the league. Antoine Bethea is an all-pro type of player this year. You got Ahmad Brooks coming up. I mean, it's a very good-looking defense Aaron right Lynch. now. Aaron Lynch is playing really I, well. You found him. When you look at the 49ers, you have to credit Trent Balky for them being 6-4 and four, and then look at the Falcons for being a bad team. Dimitrov, who I think is a good GM, he's got more undrafted players contributing in the starting lineup than second and third round draft picks. And you look at the 49ers, and the fact that Balky has made so many trades to collect draft picks, mm. and they survive all these injuries because you can plug in a Borland and a Lynch, and they're a starting center, and now they got Marcus Martin. They're just plugging all these draft picks from second to fifth round in there, and, keep, and they keep right on going. And people forget that San Francisco – 
out of the gate last year, caught a lot of heat, and people said they weren't the same team. They were they went or six and four last year, mm. and went on that hot run where their defense started to peak heavily down the stretch. I, I think they I don't know if call it save their season, but I think they sort of defined their season with that last little two game run they had in New Orleans and, and New York. Going through getting those two wins on the road, I think they're set up to do well because they've they've somehow survived a very lame offense. Yeah, but, in a boring offense, which is not how I thought about this team years ago. They're right on offense. When the Redskins give up on RG3 after the season, which team <laughs> believes they'll be able to save him and then installs him as a starter next August? Ken Wisenhunt in the Titans. How about the Houston Texans? How about the Cleveland Browns? Whoa. Uh, no, I don't the, think the so. Shanahan You've thing got, didn't work out. Anybody no, I don't think you're going back to <laughs> Shanahan in <laughs> Cleveland. Uh, all right, moving on. How about the Jets? I know. Just I can see that. Oh, oh, oh that is a dis- that's a disaster drama oh, scenario. Oh, that would be... That makes too much sense. That's why I don't even know. And they keep Rex Ryan, too. The Dallas Cowboys are going to the Meadowlands to face the Giants. Uh, The Giants have lost uh, five games in a row. They are done. Stick a fork in them. Uh, And they have been. The fork has been stuck in them, according to the around the NFL team. The Dallas Cowboys coming off their bye week, which gave Tony Romo a much needed week of rest. He has those. the two fractures in the small of his back or whatever it is. So he gets, he got, got some time off. So uh, Jerry Jones said this week that it did wonders for Romo. Uh, We imagine they're going to have no problem moving the ball against a Giants team that stinks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure what else we need to say about this game. That was well done. We're split (laughs) on this game. I mean, uh, are we really? Yeah. I believe the Mr. Christopher Wesseling and our uh, really Chicago correspondent both. Wait, took the Wes, why do the Giants beat the Cowboys in this spot? Well, I don't think the Cowboys' de- uh, defense is very good. They haven't been that good all year. They've been helped out by an offense that's on the field a lot. Giants' defense played pretty well against the 49ers last week, and I really need to pick up a game on you guys. I was going to say, this, this smacks of desperation because you just picked Eli Manning in a big spot to potentially He also to save picked, season. though, and he wrote a great piece about this player downstairs, Odell Beckham. Odell Beckham has me excited. I, I think he's the cream of the rookie wide receiver crop. I think he's going to have a better career than Mike Evans and Sammy Watkins. And – the guy that I keep picturing when I watch Odell Beckham play, it's going to sound crazy, 1980s era Michael Jordan. Woo! <laughs> what? It's interesting. Listen. Not for the size. and he, I don't know if he's got any kind of late-game clutch in him. He doesn't hmm. like put the team on his back. But the in-air dexterity and improvisation, he's creative with his body yeah. in there. Interesting. And ball control. With, his hands are really strong. He's physical. Just that easy leaping ability. He's he's a world-class athlete. Every time Odell Beckham takes the field, he's the best athlete on the field. That's why he's the mailman. He might have the Odell best. Beckham? Chris <laughs> no, that was Carl Malone. Now I'm confused. <laughs> Chris Wesley is the mailman. About? That's an out. I love that comparison. Thank you. I thought it was Did probably you... going to be seen as a stretch. No, I like that. I like the hands are a good call. It, it, all, it all adds up. He might have the best. Does he have a chance to have the best hands in the NFL? I mean, just that little pregame thing they showed on ESPN was insane. Boy, Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, yeah just that commercial with the camera on his head. <laughs> what hands? <laughs> yeah, his pregame routine. Was Beckham active when the Giants went to Dallas earlier this season? I believe he was. I think he had just started out. He hadn't gotten into his stride. Their offense played pretty well in that game. They moved the ball. They scored. It was really the, uh, one play where Larry Donnell fumbled it that threw that game away. At that, at that point, the Giants' offense was moving the ball pretty well. It's not that crazy to think that they they always beat the Cowboys. Well, the, <laughs> Eli Manning lost all faith in his offensive line last week, and in my notes I have Charles Brown. Come on, man. Get a, give <laughs> We're not allowed effort. to say that. We're give not an effort. There, he came in at tackle, and there's one player where the guy, he just put his hands down, <laughs> and the guy <laughs> ran around him. It's that time of year. We also don't know, it is worth mentioning, we don't know what Tony Romo's status is at all, because the last time we saw him on the field, they, it was like a very tough, mature performance, but he clearly wasn't himself, and he was not close to 100%. Well, you talk about a team where the bye week hit at a perfect time, Romo and DeMarco Murray. Dan's going crazy. He wants to move on from the segment. Move on. Well, no, move finish on your point. Uh, no, I'm just saying the bye week, a lot of times come, everyone complains about when their team's bye is. DeMarco Murray gets a perfect yeah. time to rest for the stretch run, and Romo, he looked like a, a wooden figure, a man made out <laughs> of things that aren't human in that last game. He's back to good. I bet he'll be fine. 
I don't know if he is. The, w- the way Jason Garrett looks at it, he probably thinks, well, we we saved a week for Murray last week. Let's give him 45 carries this week. Keep talking <laughs> about Giants-Dallas. Just else? keep going on this segment. Do you have anything gold standard? I, I think it was it was good chat. West knows how much I like <laughs> Odell Beckham because today I put together a nice little video Ooh. that uh, highlighted his strengths and suitability to be in a 70s buddy cop drama. If you see the video, you'll understand. Gold Standard put some high-octane 70s funk music to it. <laughs> did you compose it yourself? I no. wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I, I can't, You're a can't renaissance man. Oh, <laughs> we are filibustering to annoy Dan. <laughs> All right, here we go. We are now going to move on to the final game. It looks like we're going to have a second Monday night game, potentially. The New York Jets and Buffalo Bills were supposed to play in Orchard Park, but Mother Nature intervened, dropped 7,000 feet. Uh, worth of snow on the region. That is an estimate. So they are not going to play in Buffalo as of taping of this podcast. Uh, they're, they're saying that the game could be moved to Monday, that it might be played in an alternate site, maybe Detroit. So all this stuff will probably come into the focus by the time you listen to the show. But all we do know is that it's not going to be in Buffalo, and they've had to mix things up because of the weather. So the Bills, it would seem, are at a quite a disadvantage at a time where they need this win to stay in the AFC West. Uh in this AFC wild card race against a Jets team that's playing out the strength. Oh, we're still going to talk about this game? I've got to talk about it. No apocalypse. <laughs> Ended it. What do you mean? I don't know. Still it's still going to be played and I, we're going to and you know people that love dome games are going to get two dome games on prime time on one night. I really was that's confused because I thought once we got to the Sunday night game we were done. I thought it was over. No, I we forgot. Are not. This could be the Monday night game. I picked the Jets to win this game even before I found out about the snow. As did I. Feels weird to make your pick based on the lack of practice and the snow factor, though. Anyways, who knows? Maybe that's also kind of unprecedented, though. So you would think it would probably be an issue, right? You got a lot of Bills players that have been. I don't know about you, but are you ever in college or whatever? You get snowed in or something for like four straight days. What are you doing? What are these Bills players aren't down lifting weights? They're probably cracking a few beers playing Nintendo. Nintendo. Amongst other things. Well, whatever it is they're doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. Not, they're not preparing for this 1987, game. 1987, that was accurate. Yeah. I'm ready for the Bills' defensive line to end one of the dumber narratives of the year, which is the, what if Michael Vick had just been starting since week <laughs> three narrative? Oh, yeah, they would have won the Super Bowl because there's nothing safer than just strapping Mike Vick into your starting job. <laughs> Everything will be fine. Smooth sailing. By the way, if we rewound back to August when you guys are pushing hard for Vick to be the starter <laughs> and be a fair. playoff guy. I anyway, have no memory of that. But yeah, the, you're right. You're but right. the truth, I mean, honestly, the, the, the Jets, the worst thing that could happen to the Jets is that they finish strong this year in terms of maybe getting a quarterback in this draft. So this is, as a Jets fan, I'm conflicted watching these games now, which is not the way you want to be able to watch games as a fan. But that's the way it is. I think we, uh, Wes and I, took the Jets. The rest took the Bills. And the people of Western New York, uh, if you're I, listening to this, uh, hopefully you're safe. That I had a reason, stuff. though. I, I hate that I'm 10 games behind you because now I'm forced to <laughs> talk myself into things like the Jets' offense can get frisky down the stretch. It is beautiful. Well, you, did, you did pick that they'll win in Kansas City. So, you know, you that like was a this weird Jets pick. team. I don't think I picked up a win there. No, you didn't. The, right. Jet, the Jets got taken yeah, care just, of. I can talk myself into anything, and it's not a good feature. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good quality all right. at all. So that is the Sunday and Monday schedule of the NFL. We will be back on Wednesday. Excuse me. I'm looking ahead already to uh, deep into week 13. We'll be back on Sunday. Uh, where we will go over all these games and uh, and talk about Mark's great victories in life, which I'm sure there will be many from now until then. Countless. <laughs> so that's it. That's it for the show. Thank you to the Gold Standard for helping us out uh, this week in, in uh, TD's place. Stan Hans is signing off for the Sizzler, the Mailman, the Boss, and the Gold Standard behind the glass. Until Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.